You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into this podcast and putting it into your favorite podcast player, putting it in your car, and just, you know, listening to your heart's content. I do appreciate that immensely. I know it may sound like I'm a little sarcastic, but I am not. I really do appreciate that. I have a great episode because this band just released a new record that I am absolutely in love with. The band is called Anxious, and I have the singer of the band, Grady Allen, on this particular show. He is a uh, Connecticut dude, and he loves hardcore, and he loves independent music. And this chat was really, really fun because... We're we're catching anxious on their upside right now. Like they're they're climbing up the mountain, about ready to you know put on their skis and head on down in a positive way. Like that makes them sound like they're on the the decline. That is not the case. But they have just recently put out a record on Run for Cover called Little Green House. I absolutely adore it. I've been fortunate enough to have it in my uh, digital listening platform for quite some time. And uh, man, the record is just so, so good. And I was excited to have Grady. So we had this discussion a few weeks ago. He was actually getting over a cold. So if he sounds a little bit stuffy, if you know him, uh, for those of you that don't know him, you will notice no difference whatsoever. (laughs) But I just wanted to put that out there. But uh, let's talk about things you can do for me. Because after all, that is what we are here for, right? No, this is just for your enjoyment. But... I would love it if you are listening on Spotify. If you tap that star rating button, it helps out this show. And I know it sounds like every podcast asks you to do that, but there's a reason why. So do that, please. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I would love a review. I would love stars. Whatever you feel like that is is not a, a big lift for you. You know, you can just do it really easily. I would appreciate that. And also... Later on this week, I'm going to be publishing a bonus episode of a podcast that I worked on very hard uh, from an executive producer standpoint, which that's just a a fancy way of saying I worked really hard on this thing. (laughs) For those of you that care about Under Oath, they just released a new record. I released a podcast with them with a bunch of other talented people that are uh, hosting it and doing a lot of behind the scenes work, but I'm really proud of it. And I want, for those of you that care about Under Oath and even If you don't care about Under Oath, but you're like, oh man, I liked them like 10 or 15 years ago, this is a great way to re-engage with Under Oath. So go to your favorite podcast platform after you're done listening to this particular episode and uh, just, uh, you know, type in Under Oath Podcast and you'll be able to find that. It's called Labeled Deep Dive Series and uh, yeah, Under Oath. And basically we look at the history of the band through the prism of their new record, Voyeurist, that just came out. And uh, I'm incredibly proud of it. There's two episodes that are up right now. And um, yeah, check it out. I would appreciate that immensely. So that's what we got. Let's talk to Grady, because like I said, I just love Anxious. I love this band. And he also played in One Step Closer for a while. He had to uh, kind of step down because clearly both of those bands are doing a lot right now and it would be impossible to juggle both. So uh, we talk about that in this interview. But um, yeah, I just love Anxious. Grady, great guy. Uh, He does a physical newsletter, (laughs) physical newsletter that he mails out to people called Dying Tradition. We actually talk about that towards the, uh, I think, the tail end of this uh, particular interview. But um, yeah, he just, uh, he, he loves hardcore, loves punk, loves the independent music scene. So here we go. Here is Anxious. And I will talk to you, of course, at the end of the episode.
as I uh, as I punished you at your uh, live show at a program where I said I am a uh, large fan of the band that you do and uh, both both bands that you do for that matter, um, I admittedly got into your stuff with the uh, new shape single because uh, the previous stuff didn't necessarily grab me. It was just one of those things. Like I was like, oh, it, anxious is cool, but it just didn't mm-hmm. resonate with me. And I'm sure this is interesting for you because, uh, you know, as a as a young uh, musician yourself, where you have watched bands kind of evolve and, and grow over time, you know, you and your friends, both not only with Anxious, but One Step Closer as well, are like growing up in front of all of our eyes <laughs> musically. Yeah. <laughs> so is that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's it's fun for you guys to obviously do kind of, you know, what you feel passionate about, but is an interesting for you, that kind of concept of like, oh, this is where Anxious was, you know, two years ago. And like, now here's where we are now because we're a little bit older. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing for sure. And it's, it's both very cool and like a little bit, um, oh, I don't, maybe it's, I don't know. It's sometimes hard to not feel a little bit self-conscious just because sometimes, I don't know. It's, um, especially the older Anxious material, like, I wish like I could preface all of it like on recording by being like, Hey, you know, we were like 16 when we recorded. (laughs) Right. Don't, you know, like, you know, if, if you're not impressed or you don't like it, like, just know, like we had no idea what we were doing, but, but, um, no, it's, it's, um, it's a weird, it's a weird phenomenon to be like, I don't know, to kind of be figuring out all of this stuff. Cause to, to me, it's, you know, even, um, you know, now having like an LP under our belt, at least recorded and stuff, you know, it still feels like we're very much figuring all this stuff out. And so it's um, both very flattering that it, that there's people around that care and are interested in like this phase where I'm still like, no, we're still like totally figuring this out. We have no idea what we're doing. Um, and it's both also like intensive, like, oh, wow, like they're a lot of eyes on us right now and we're still still figuring it out right no i i appreciate the articulation of the self-consciousness because i do you know even as you're releasing stuff to you know your friends and your local you know diy community it it still feels you're like oh my gosh like what are people going to think about our demo (laughs) like you just think about all of these steps and then as it kind of fractures out where it's like there are people who I will have no relationship with beyond just them maybe coming to a show or just buying my record. And then that's kind of all they know about me. But it, I do like that idea of at the beginning of every recording where it's like time stamping it. This was released in 2020. <laughs> like just, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. want you guys to know this is when it came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, giving everybody some context just uh where we were at at that at that point yeah for sure (laughs) for sure too and um kind of putting the focus on you as a person um were you actually born and raised in connecticut or where did you you know i know that's like sort of simple simple biographical stuff but uh, i wasn't able to uh do my online sleuthing and find out (laughs) um yeah so um so no, I moved i moved to connecticut uh right before i started middle school so that makes me about 10 years old when i moved here um um, I was actually born in um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and uh, I moved around the country um, a whole bunch before I was um, before I turned ten. 
Um, so I, I uh, was born in Oklahoma. Uh, then I lived in Dallas uh, for a while. Then I lived up in the New York area uh, for a little bit. And, um, and then just kind of bumped around a whole bunch of places just for my parents' job. And then um, uh, right when I was about 10 years old, we landed in Connecticut and I've uh, been here been here ever since what uh what was with the i guess moving around like you said with your 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 parents uh occupation was it uh i mean some people presume that usually when you move around like that it's you're part of the military <laughs> was that was that the case or no no parents are not military um both of them were attorneys oh. or are attorneys okay um, so, um they were just moving uh around a lot for uh pursuing opportunities mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I'm going to guess that, I mean, Oklahoma is, uh, you know, not the cultural hotbed of America. Did you, um, I, I guess, do you have any memories of Oklahoma? I know you're obviously young, but uh, do you have any memories of that place? Almost all my family or all of my family on my dad's side is um, is from Oklahoma. So um, much of my childhood years um, were spent in um, in Oklahoma and then in the Norman area, um, just seeing my grandparents and my aunts and uncles. So um, I've spent a lot of time in Oklahoma. Uh, I actually have a have an affinity for it, but uh, that's probably uh, an affinity that only comes from like these short controlled bursts that uh, I visit there. I think if I was like consistently living there, I would be going, "Wow, uh, I would really love to leave this place." So right. Um, so yeah, yeah, I have spent a lot of time in uh, in Oklahoma, and I actually, I actually quite like it there. In the, in the time that I do spend there. Sure. No, that's cool that you, because uh, I, I do think that people that have experiences of different living spaces within, you know, rural country, city, like just have those touch points where you're able to look at the world beyond yeah. just what your immediate experience is, is, is valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, uh, I think it's, I mean, obviously I've lived for, I mean, little more than half my life at this point, um, all in Connecticut. But, um, I think it's, you know, it's definitely valuable to, to be, to have been able to, to see those different parts of the country Mm -hmm. and such with, um, and so what was the family structure like growing up as far as uh, brothers and sisters in the house as well? Mm -hmm. Uh, I have one older brother, um, who's a year and a half older than me. Um, and, um, we've always been super, super close. Um, and I mean, uh, He's, uh, um, I mean, we, we've always lived together, um, until, um, until pretty recently he just uh, got a job in the city. And so I think he'll be, uh, moving out pretty soon, but as of right now, we're still living together. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, and I, I'm going to guess just like from my own personal experience and traveling through Connecticut, um, you know, it's very suburban from that perspective, like there, you know, yes, there are large cities there, but, you know, it's all pretty spread across. Um, you know, was your getting raised in Connecticut, uh, I guess, symbolic of that experience? Um, I mean, my, my being raised in Connecticut, I mean, it's definitely a suburban experience. I live in a town called, um, Darien, which is a small, very small suburban town. Um, so, um, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, all, all the, all the time that I've, I've spent in Connecticut, it's just living, um, uh, in a, it's been a very suburban experience. Um, yeah. Got it. Um, and from the 
little I know of you as a human being beyond uh, what you you know share online and obviously through your <laughs> through your bands, you you seem like a, a pretty easygoing dude and uh, what I would maybe kind of define as more of a West Coast uh, personality in regards to like oh yeah pretty pretty chill dude pretty easygoing um, is that. Uh, is that re- reflective of what you kind of understand yourself to be, or is that something that you've kind of grown into as you, uh, you know, get older? Um, uh, a, I'm flat, I'm flattered by that observation. Um, uh, I, I would say, I would say that I, I'm pretty easygoing, um, pretty, pretty relaxed most of the time. I, I, I think, um, whether uh, I would tie that to a, a West Coast attitude, um, I don't know. I, I like the West Coast a whole bunch. I think I like it in a in the capacity that I visit. I don't think I would ever want to live on the West Coast, but um, I think uh, uh, the sort of easygoing um, West Coast attitude is is probably one that I identify with. Um. um I'm sorry. There was a second part of that question. Um, no. Oh, oh. Have I have I grown have I grown into that or? Yeah. Um, um. Geez. You know, I think with each passing year, I grow a little bit more into it. Um, I think a lot of my childhood years and teen years, I was pretty uptight. But I think um, as more and more time passes, I think I've become a little bit easier going. Sure. Um, just a little bit more relaxed. Right. Well, and plus, I mean, when you, I mean, everything is life or death as you are growing through, you know, junior high, high school, like it's either this or that, like there's no gray area. <laughs> and so yeah, it's, and, and that's part of the experience because I, I don't think if you approach that uh, with the same attitude, like you probably, you know, might not get things done in some capacity. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so as you started to, you know, set roots in, in Connecticut and have the experience of, you know, going to school and all that sort of stuff, what, uh, what kind of kid did you find yourself being? Were you attracted to, uh, sports or was music always kind of the thing? Where did you find yourself uh, experimenting with? Um, uh, yeah. So, um, I was never drawn, never drawn to sports. Um, didn't have a, a distaste for it really. Um, I just, um, was ne- never really gravitated towards it. Um, I'm not, I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm not dis- distinctly competitive, um, in a lot of ways and sort of the, 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 the way that, uh, sports are blatantly very life and death competitive, just never really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. So, um, in that, in that capacity, n- n- no, I was never really drawn to, to sports, um, Music was always something that really um, fascinated me. I mean, um, I started playing guitar when I was seven years old. Um, always really enjoyed playing it. Um, when uh, when I was in middle school, I discovered uh, Blink-182, and that kind of set off a, and, and other things within that vein, and that kind of uh, sparked a, a, a love or a passion to, like, oh, I want to play in a band and, like, having aspirations in that field. Um, I mean – thing i mean i guess thinking thinking of things that i was doing in in junior high and high school um uh heavily involved in um um in theater in dramatics and stuff at my high school did um did a lot in middle school and in high school did a lot of that um and that that was kind of my big school 
um, activity. Yeah, your extracurricular, as it were. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, and then, what uh, was the uh, what was the biggest production production that you did as far as a role was concerned? Where it's like you know, were you were you Benny from the West Side Story or whatever? <laughs> like, where did you do any of those type of uh, plays? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I did. I did uh, lots of dramas and in, in musicals. I mean, I guess um, my favorite role I guess I ever got to do is I got to do the role of nar- the narrator in um, in um, Our Town, oh, which is sure. Uh, yeah, which I, I I really like that play a whole whole lot. So I got to do that my senior year. So that was really fun. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess if I had to narrow it down into like one role that I particularly loved, it would be that. <laughs> well, that's cool. I, I do think that there is that when kids get attracted to theater and understand that uh, there's like this, you know, real secret society that exists within each production, you know, where it's like, yes, you of course have your classmates that are participating in, you know, the, mm-hmm. the class, the, the plays that you're doing, but then, you know, when you bring something like that to life <laughs> and then you, you get to invite your parents and maybe some of your friends come to check you out and it's just like, whoa, look at, look at Grady just doing that thing like that. I, I didn't expect that out of him or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought, I, you know, it took a long time for me to think it was cool or enjoy it. I mean, I was literally like, like almost borderline ashamed of it in high school, especially when I started like, you know, doing anxious and one step closer more seriously. It was like this, oh God, I would, I would, I would fucking rather die than like someone that like I go to shows with or something, find out that I like do this at my high school or something. But you know, the truth is I I really enjoyed it and had a good time doing it. So um, no, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And um, I, I mean, I think it is the, you know, the putting on a production and like working with a narrative and thinking about how to, articulate it in a in a cool interesting way is a it's a really cool exercise it's a really cool activity so sure i'm glad, I'm glad i did it yeah oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you did it as well because I, I think it is um i mean it is valuable too to be able to build that level of confidence you know <clears throat> either earned or unearned of just you know getting on a stage and being some sure. version some different version of yourself yeah absolutely Absolutely. And it's it's funny too that you, you know, articulated that idea of that, you know, never the two uh streams shall cross of like, okay, yes, here's my, you know, punk and hardcore world, and then here is my theater world. Because I, I do think that the common conceit now um is that, you know, people generically speaking are more acceptive over these kind of, you know, these proverbial archetypes of like, oh, here's the theater kids, like, let's beat them up or whatever. Not saying that's what your friends were saying, but just like, you know, in general, people are more accepting, (laughs) but it's just funny that like, even, you know, we're, we're of a, you know, large age gap here. I'm 40 years old and I know you're around 20. So it's just funny that there was this still that thing in your head where it's like, oh yeah, you know, the, the, the kids that are going out to local shows, like eh, they don't necessarily need to know that I'm doing, <laughs> doing our town. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was something I was always, I mean, I don't know. I always considered like the stuff I was doing outside of school was like, that's my real life. That's like who I really am. And like the, the stuff I was doing in school was like, yeah, that's stuff I'm, I'm doing in school. So I, I don't know. I always, I don't, I never, I, I don't think I ever really even saw it with like the same legitimacy that like I saw, like, you know, 
doing playing an anxious show or a one step closer show that's real doing this at my high school that's just high school right yeah so i never i never i never even really saw him in the same plane um and whether that's right or wrong or i don't i don't really know but um yeah they were just two separate tracks i i get it like you weren't like yes maybe a part of it was the fear of judgment but it was mostly just like oh yeah these two things are set like yes of course i'm going to be wearing you know whatever a bane shirt to school or what have you but like that's that's all that the crossover is going to be yeah no absolutely right yeah especially too where the idea of as you start to develop relationships at your school and then obviously have like your clique of friends that might be into the same stuff where everybody else is kind of like what is Grady and all of his friends are into? Like, what are they wearing all these bands? What is this stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Merch, 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 merch. It's important in this independent music world to choose your vendors wisely. And rockabilia.com is my favorite vendor on the internet for band merch. And plain and simply put, I can get you 10% off of your order by using this code, 100 words or less. That's the number 100 words or less. Rockabilia. They just have everything you could possibly shake a stick at. Half a million items, great customer service, quick shipping, independently owned. It is a great company, and I encourage you to check out the website because you can type in random bands to their search bar, and you will be able to find most likely their merch on there, and then you will be able to buy it and get a discount, and it is so great. But I love merch, and I love this company, and I would love for you to support them as well. So again, 10% off your order, 100 words or less. And you will enjoy outfitting your closet with whatever it is you decide to purchase. Thank you, Rockabilia, and buy some band merch. And on that tip, did you, uh, I guess, care about school? Um, I'm guessing with your parents' occupation of, uh, you know, being attorneys, like education was probably important to them. So uh, I guess, was it important to you? Yeah. um, Yeah, I think um, I think I had a hard time in high school. Um, finding the correlation between like hard work and grades and like the bigger impact that that had when it was time to think about, um, you know, further schooling and stuff like that. Um, so in that respect, um, I was a good, I was a good student. I was not a great student. Um, I think, um, I don't know. fairly, fairly average student. Some, some things I was far better than others. I was always really, really great at history. Um, and that was, you know, I was always, you know, gunning to do AP Euro and AP US and Lang and Lit and stuff like that. Always gunning for that. But in like, dude, math and like science, I was like a burning train wreck. So, so, so bad. Like literally my, my brain could, I'm, to this day, I'm, I'm terrible at it. Um, I think um, I've really, really enjoyed um, college, though. College is, um, is, 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 to me, is a lot more uh, interesting and engaging as a, as a, the student experience, I think, is just a lot, it's a lot better than that of high school. Sure. So. Well, you feel, I mean, by that time, you have a little bit more of a sense of what you're interested in, what you want to pursue. And there's a little more autonomy as opposed to, well, yeah. you got to take these things in order to do this thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so picking on the, on that thread of what you're talking about, where you guitar at seven years old, like that's, that's early. Um, 
uh, and w- how, I guess, how did it end up in your hands? Was it one of those things like you just kind of saw it and were interested in it or how did that transpire? Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, <coughs> um, so my dad, um, um, so my, yeah. So my dad, um, had a sitting in storage almost my entire childhood, um, a Gibson Explorer from the late seventies. Um, and as a kid, I was like totally enamored by it. I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Um, I had no idea how to play it, but it was the sort of thing, like just like getting to hold it and like sit there with it was like a cool enough experience in of itself. Um, so when I was about seven years old, my dad said, you know, Grady, if you learn how to play guitar, you can have that guitar. It can be your guitar. Nice. What? Yeah. (laughs) You're like, really? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, uh, so I, um, you took him up on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Took him up on it. Started, started taking lessons, um, almost immediately. Um, I probably took lessons until I was about mm, 11, 12, maybe 13. Um, and then just stopped really taking them. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that, uh, that guitar ended up being, um, the guitar that I mean, I, I used with uh, one step closer for like everything and the guitar that like I was always playing live and stuff. So it was, it was kind of cool that it was like this weird piece of like early, early childhood. And like, now it's like, like this facet of like my musical life, like in my early, like young adulthood, it was like, I always, always think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, it's a, you know, physical manifestation of like, oh man, me picking this thing up at seven years old and playing terribly for many years is now allowing me to go into these sweaty rooms and travel across the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you mentioned, your entry point of kind of, you know, more quote unquote alternative music was Blink-182. And, you know, I, I, I absolutely love that band as well. And I think it's so important that people start to have those inflection points where they're like, Oh, this, yes. I mean, blink 182 is playing the radio, but like, it's a little bit different. It's not like, you know, whatever radio mm-hmm. rock and all that other stuff. Yeah. How, so how did you start to, I guess, explore the different layers beyond uh blink? I presume you just like did a lot of nerdy internet research, deep dives, or how are you kind of yeah. ping ponging? Yeah. So, I mean, um, like a lot of people whose like introduction points, I think are like, those bands like Blink-182 or Green Day, you start to just by, if you're listening enough and you're paying attention enough, you start to notice the things that are a level deeper, like maybe Screeching Weasel or like all the Epitaph or like Fat Rec Rec stuff. But I mean, I guess how I started to fall more into punk and hardcore proper, um, I guess was there's a a record store in Darien called um, Johnny's Records, and it's, it's mostly like, um, I mean, it carries a bit of everything, but I mean, I think it's, it's, it's main point is like hard rock and just kind of, I don't know, kind of all, all, all flavors of like what you would just consider rock music. Um, but they had a, they had a, they had a punk and hardcore section. Um, it was like one little like box of records and it it would always be like, new represses and stuff of records and stuff. Um, but, um, like around, um, I would, yeah, I mean, I guess it would be my seventh grade year. Um, I just started shopping there a ton and I, I, I made three purchases that, um, I deemed to be pretty pivotal, pivotal in, uh, 
my experience. And those three records are um, Minor Threat Discography, Gorilla Biscuits Start Today, and the most important uh, to me uh, was The Crew by Seven Seconds. And uh, those records kind of like catapulted me into like, whoa, this is like yeah. the coolest thing in the world. And like my life is forever changed. Um, so um, yeah, no. Um, I mean, in, in those, those records I was buying with like no prior, you know, knowledge of like what they, what they even were. It was totally based on, Oh, this artwork looks cool. Or, Oh, maybe I've seen someone wearing this t-shirt before or something. So, um, I don't know. I have kind of a pretty romanticized view of like, I don't know. Getting like, into those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I stumbled across these records in the record store and like, wow, now here I am. So, yeah, well, I, I think it's really cool when you can get into records devoid of context because you are just either, you know, you gravitate towards them based on the artwork or like you said, you saw a t-shirt existing out there and you just are, you're pulling from the ether <laughs> and you don't have yeah. any idea and you are almost, you know, forcing yourself to be like, well, I, I, you know, I purchased these records. I'm, I've obviously got to listen to them and like really, really listen to them and not just, you know, I mean, everyone is going to make fun of the streaming generation of, oh, I just listen to one song on Spotify and then you make up your mind. But, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, there's a value in, in that as well. But just that idea of what you're talking about of getting into stuff without anybody telling you that you should get into this is really cool. Yeah, no. And I mean, I, 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 you you mentioned kind of briefly that well I I spent my money on this record like I bought this record I mean there was I mean the first time I heard Start Today it honestly didn't really click with me sure. but it was this thing like man I just spent like eighteen dollars on this I'm I'm gonna spin this like two more times until it kind of clicks um, so and I mean there was kind of just a I have no idea what this is it doesn't even necessarily make sense or like compute in my brain yet but like I'm just gonna keep working at it until it like makes sense right. <laughs> especially too where so many records of those you know bygone eras of differing recording qualities and when you are used to a certain level of production especially by listening to stuff on the radio when you hear something that is not akin to any of those you're just like wait what the hell am i listening to like i don't (laughs) this doesn't sound like it's on the like you understand it's not the radio but just like sonically it's like where do i put this i don't know Dude, no, absolutely. I mean, I can remember like, um, I mean, like really kind of before I discovered like those, those records I was talking about, I was like really into like Black Flag. And I can think about like discovering Black Flag for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, like this is the worst recording quality like I've ever heard. Like, why couldn't these guys just spend like a couple hundred more dollars and just like recorded a better studio or something? Right. So it's, it's funny that like, yeah, you have no like framing point for like what this is. You're just like, no, yeah. you're just like, this doesn't sound like rise against <laughs> like what's yeah, no, <laughs> no, totally. I I mean, you talking about the gorilla biscuits experience. Like I, I definitely remember getting into start today. I remember I bought start today and then, um, integrity systems overload and it, okay. and it, it like you could not get a more different sounding record than both of those records stacked up to, against one another. But like, mm-hmm. you know, you, whatever. I was like, I, that's what I bought that day at the record store. And I was just like, okay, this sounds like this because of this. And yeah, I understand this came out a little bit later, but yeah, you, you're just totally stabbing in the dark and being like, all right, well, I got to invest this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's just a, 
yeah, well, I spend some money. I'm just going to work at it. Yeah, totally. And so as you started to, you know, get more enamored with, you know, punk and hardcore and traveling down all of these uh, different paths, uh, when you, I guess, first experienced, you know, the DIY scene and like going to local shows and, you know, fortunately, you definitely have a uh, very, you know, robust DIY community in that Connecticut and general Northeast area. Uh, What kind of, uh, what pulled you in towards it? Was it, you know, just like being able to be in this small room with other people? Like, was it the energy or was it a combination of all of those things? Yeah. um, I mean, so it was kind of my, you know, my experience with like discovering like current bands and stuff. It was kind of like moving through history. Cause I mean, those, those first records that, you know, I was talking about discovering like are, are obviously all old records. And I mean, it was, it kind of took some time for me to realize like, Oh no, this is like still a thing that's like operating and like, you know, still very much vibrant. Um, I mean, and it, it definitely took some time for me to like discover, you know, um, the more local element of it. I mean, the first couple hardcore shows I would have attended, I would have been, uh, would have been very beginning of my freshman year. I would have just turned 15 um, the first, the first couple of shows I would have attended were all in New York city. I went to, um, I saw Bane in backtrack, um, uh, at, um, at Webster, uh, Webster hall. And then I went to black and blue bowl. And then I saw like line of sight, maybe like a month or so later. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, it was those shows that I went to that were like, were like, Oh, this is like the coolest thing in the world. And like, there's nothing quite like this. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess, what did I, what did I like about it? Yep. I think, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the small room element of it in this kind of, you know, not secrecy, like it's not this like unknown thing, but it was kind of this, I understood like, this is not something that everyone knows about and understands. And, you know, um, I don't know. It's, I just enjoyed that it was, I was being part of something so intimate and in, in, intimate in something that was um, outside the path that like many kids were experiencing musically, at least in my age group. So it, there was just something magical about like, wow, I'm having this crazy experience that like, you know, probably nobody at my school even understands. Right. Um, which is, which yeah. is awesome to hear because it, it definitely, I think even though there are, you know, a lot of people that are of, you know, different iterations of the spectrum of punk and hardcore that look at it. And say, you know, it, punk and hardcore as a, uh, you know, commodifiable thing, like it's as large as it's ever has been, you know, like, sure. but at the same yeah. time, like people, exactly what you're talking about, there is that regenerative aspect of, you know, younger kids are still getting into it and finding out about it. And then having that experience of what you're saying, where it's just like, well, yeah, no matter what, like, this is a uniquely weird experience that if you, you know, you, you tell your friends, after you get back to school on Monday, you're like, yeah, I went to a show and they're like, like what, like a movie? You're like, no, it's some bands play like a concert. You're like, no, it's a show. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, in, I, 
I kind of enjoyed that it was this thing that people in my, I don't know, in my quote unquote, like normal life or real life, like couldn't quite comprehend. And it, it made me feel like I was part of this um, deeply special thing, which, which it is. And it, 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 it was, um, but yeah, I mean, and then, then from there I started, you know, kind of, end of my freshman year, beginning of my sophomore year was like kind of aware, like started becoming aware that, Oh, like shows are not just this thing that like exists in like some trendy part of New York. It's like, you can, you know, there are venues in Connecticut and bands and stuff that like are hosting this same stuff. And and that was really cool to like begin to feel that like regional ownership of something, you know, it was, you start to feel that like, no, this is, this is, this is truly my thing. This is something I'm a part of because it's my state and these are bands that I know and, and people I know. And, and that, that sense of ownership was also really important. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I think that it, it does often get kind of lost within the, uh, you know, digital landscape of bands and music where even, even though us on the, you know, really nerdy molecular level, <laughs> of paying attention to like where bands are from and stuff like that. There is, there is that element that gets lost when, you know, band members can kind of live anywhere from that perspective and then be able to come together to, you know, just be a band, which is fine. But how, you know, you guys, and obviously many of your peers and friends wave the flags of wherever you came from. And I think that, you know, that's a really cool aspect of it to what you're talking about where it's like, well, yeah, because that's how we got pulled into this because we felt like it was, are seen to, you know, have a, a collective ownership over. Yeah, no, I just, I don't know. I, I have a certain affinity. I don't, any, any band that is, you know, proud of where they're from and leading with where they're from. I don't know. I just, I think there's something really uh, respectable about that. And I just, I think it, it honestly, it makes kids in your space and scene like stoked i mean it's it's to feel like you have some sense of ownership and like that this is yours too like that's just there's no feeling comparable to that and um so i think i think you know for your band not just to be banned but to be banned from this place with these people and stuff like i think that's that's an important facet of the band absolutely yeah it's really cool and uh, so a- as you started to explore this and, you know, bring uh, less than conventional music home to your parents and, um, you know, was your brother traveling alongside of you this experience or was he kind of doing his own thing? No, no, he didn't. He didn't have any, any, any interest in it really. Got it. Um, yeah. So how, how were your parents reacting as you, they, you were clearly bringing stuff they probably didn't have a context for home? <laughs> um, uh, my dad, my dad was totally, totally open to it. It was, um. You know, uh, he, he drove me, uh, to all, all of my earliest shows. My, my dad was driving me to, um, my mom, my mom had a harder time <laughs> with it. Um, just under, I don't know, just, it all sounds so angry. Why are you angry? Right. Are you angry? Um, <laughs> sure. none, none of these people look like people I know at all. How, why do you relate to them? these are people, you know, what do you mean? Like, it was just, it was just completely unfamiliar and like had no like 
like point of reference. It was just like totally alien. So, um, my, and my mom is, is very, very, very supportive of, of the, of, you know, this path that I've gone down and, you know, she's, you know, absolutely one of my, you know, biggest cheerleaders. She's just at its genesis point was really like, I have no idea what the hell this is. (laughs) And I think that, you know, it usually stems from not only do I not understand where this is coming from, but I'm also, you know, sometimes like, especially if they're seeing, you know, stage dives and mosh pits or whatever, be like, I'm concerned for your safety, Grady. Like, are you going to be okay? Well, I mean, that was definitely a part of it too, is it's just like, this doesn't look, you know, safe or like it's, I don't know. It, it was, it was, it was that was the big element of it too. And my mom also had a hard time understanding what talent was necessary to create this type of music. It was just, well, they're just screaming and you can't really hear the music. So it's what, you know, (laughs) right. You know, what, you know, it was hard to recognize the the talent necessary to create these songs and things like that. So that element of it too was was um was a bit alien. I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor to the show, and that is Quinn Snacks. For those of you that are unaware, you need to find Quinn Snacks immediately because they make hands down the best pretzel bite I have ever had in my entire life. And I know that sounds like hyperbole, but I swear. Everybody that I've gotten to try this, mind is blown. Their peanut butter stuffed pretzels, first of all, are gluten-free. So for those of you that are on that gluten-free tip, the crunch is real. The peanut butter is so good. It is unbelievable. I have gone so far as to punish this company on Instagram to be like, man, I love what you guys do. Here's a ranking of my favorite items from you. They got pretzel bites, they have popcorn, and it's all healthy, good for you stuff. So I highly encourage you to go to quinsnacks.com. You can find the store locator or you can buy their stuff directly from the website. But trust me, try it out. You'll see it at like maybe your your local grocery store from a Whole Foods perspective. I just love them so much and I want to evangelize them to you, the listener. Dive in and enjoy Quinn Snacks. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you are of the uh, Straight Edge Persuasion, correct? Yes, yes. yes. Since I was 13 years old. There, wow, claim an edge at 13. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I heard, I, uh, I heard uh, the crew by seven seconds. I Googled seven seconds, said they're a straight edge band. And uh, within like 10 minutes, I was like, oh, this is this is what I want to be for the for the rest of my life. And uh, right. I am now. The uh, so did that make uh, their uh, any sort of reticence that your parents may have of oh Grady's getting into some you know things that he's going to be on black tar heroin in like a couple of weeks because of his weird music uh, was that like a calming uh, I guess influence on their view yeah yeah no absolutely I mean um you know early I. I mean, it, my my experience in high school was early high school. It's kind of the first time that that kids um, are having access to drugs or alcohol or anything like that. So, I mean, it was, you know, kids that I was going to high school with were just kind of going crazy in that respect all the time. Um, and, you know, you were hearing all, all sorts of stories from it through so-and-so got suspended or this party happened and the police came or something like that. And so... Uh, for my parents to like understand that I was like never a part of that. That was like 
that was a calming, like, okay, well, he's into this really unconventional thing and I don't really understand it, but like, there's this really positive element of it too. Oh, and um, he wants to stop eating animals and stuff. So there's like a moralistic element to it too. Like, I don't know. I think they could respect that. I was thinking hard um, about things in that regard, even if they aesthetically or musically couldn't really wrap their heads around it. Sure. They're like, something positive is coming out of this. So this is good. He's at least thinking about things. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, from what I can understand, uh, you, uh, you know, anxious uh, got their start. Like you were literally practicing in your parents' basement and stuff like that. Is that correct or no? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's so I started anxious um, right about when I turned 15. Um, And it was, I mean, we just practiced at my parents' house a couple days a week and stuff like that. Was it, was that technically is anxious your first band from that perspective or had you messed around <laughs> with other stuff before that? Yeah, no, I, um, I've thought about this before and it's, you, you hear, I, I feel like whenever I go like on tour with band or something, it always comes up like, man, what was your first band? Like, of course, what was your first terrible band. And like, you're like, you're listening like, to it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I'm still playing it actually. <laughs> um, uh, um, I had a very, very short lived, um, band in middle school, uh, before it, but I mean, like played two shows and didn't, I mean, it wasn't really a thing. So I, I would consider like anxious, like was my first band. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I mean, yeah, at 15, like, I mean, getting out and playing shows when you're, you know, 11 or 12, like not everybody's Sammy Siegler. So like, <laughs> that's a, I, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and so as your parents started to see you, you know, become engaged with this and like, were they, like you said, both your parents were very supportive over you playing music and stuff like that and creatively expressing yourself, uh, were, was your house kind of ground zero for everybody to kind of collect and, uh, you know, hang out and play video games after practice and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely, um, a hangout point. And as I got older, it became more and more that hangout point. Um, I mean, um, you know, as, as anxious started to shift more into like what it is today. I mean, I would say that anxious has gone through like a million evolutionary stages and it's like a total pain in the ass to track. Um, but it's like, as I got a little bit older, like more junior and senior in high school. Um, and like, we sort of like started linking up with OSC and we were hanging out all the time. Like, like when we would, when they would play Connecticut or we would play Connecticut, it was always just like hanging out at my house um, <laughs> playing Fortnite and hanging out. It was a good time. Night. I really, it's so cool because you just hear these different, it's like, you know, whatever. When I was playing in bands around your age, you're like, you know, we, yeah, we would hang out and we would play like, you know, Goldeneye and the N64 or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah, it's the same, same idea. It's just like, oh yeah, it's a different first person shooter. It's fine, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, some things are universal, I guess. And uh, (laughs) video games and hanging out are are probably one of those things. It's it's very true. That will last us until this earth stops spinning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I'm going to guess your experience in regards to excuse me, uh, playing guitar, obviously, in One Step Closer, and then singing in Anxious. Like, did you... Did you feel like one, I mean, clearly you do both, but like, was one a more natural fit in regards to you feeling like, oh, I could do this immediately, or I needed to kind of 
warm up to my position in the band? Like, you know, or, or were they both relatively like, Oh, okay. I, I feel like I can, you know, muddle along and get, get okay with both. Yeah. Um, I mean, anxious is, has always been a more of a place of comfort just from as performing wise. I mean, I used to play um, guitar um, in anxious and I haven't since um, our first seven inch came out, but um, that has always felt pretty natural. Um, My time in one step closer, it's always, um, I don't know. It's, um, when I first joined, it was definitely a, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not good enough to be here. And I have to work on this a lot to get to a point where I'm proficient or at least able to bullshit that I know what I'm doing. Um, so, uh, that, that, that took a lot of work in a, in a way that, um, I think like singing and anxious didn't take as much time. Got it. I mean, you're just able to, uh, with anxious and, singing you know you just tapped into your previous theater experience uh, uh yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just uh, kidding. Yeah. So uh, maybe uh, something i don't know yeah <laughs> uh, yeah no no um and so i mean like you said you you guys are you know on the eve of releasing you know your first record as far as anxious is concerned and you know you've been able mm-hmm. to experience um you know a few tours across the country and stuff like that did you uh, did you like tour uh, as you started to experience it on a more national level beyond just kind of weekend warrior stuff? Um, good question. Um, I, um, I, 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 I love, loved it when I first started doing it. Um, I mean, getting, so, I mean, the longest tour I had done through high school is maybe like four days, four days. And then um, my senior year, um, uh, one step closer and anxious did our, our full U S together, which was like looking back on it, like insane. It was like 28 days and we did all the have heart shows sound and fury. This is hardcore. And just like, just a bunch of insane stuff between. Um, and that was like crazy. Um, and I, and I love, I love getting to do that. Um, I mean, me, me and Ryan booked it, um, ourselves. And so, in that way, it was like kind of crazy. Like none of the routing made sense. All the drives sucked. We didn't have any places to, places to stay, nor the money really to stay anywhere if we didn't have friends. Um, and so it was just kind of this batshit crazy tour. Um, and then, uh, but I loved it. I mean, I, I loved it, loved it, loved it. And then um, kind of my, uh, the following year, I started you know, getting to understand what like real touring is like with like real people booking it and, and stuff like that. And, uh, I had a, had a real, real, real love for that. Um, and then, um, you know, I've done, I've done two, uh, two full uses, um, since, uh, the world has, has reopened and, um, you know, some short touring in between and, uh, I like it, but you know, it's funny. I think the pandemic has kind of, I've definitely experienced it. I've talked to a couple other people who seem to experience it as well, but it's, um, I enjoy my, I a, enjoy my time at home more and, and, um, B I enjoy my time alone more. So, um, in that regard, touring has become a little bit more difficult just in a way of, man, I, I really, um, you know, 
it, it's kind of tough that I don't have like just two hours to go spend by myself right now. I mean, I could just go walk down a street for an hour or something, but that's not the same as like, yeah, I'm laying in my bed and just like listening to a record or like reading or like just even scrolling mindlessly on my phone. Um, but that said, um, I really, I really do enjoy getting to tour and it's like, I don't know. You, I can't help but always feel like kind of grateful for the opportunity. Cause I don't know. So, so many bands, so many people in so many bands, like, you know, would die for the opportunity to tour. And yeah, you know, it's, well, and so I- I'm, I'm always really grateful for the fact that like, man, I'm, like I'm out in California right now and I'm just getting to do this kind of just cause. So yeah, for sure. And I, and I, I definitely think framing it up like that is appropriate because regardless of whether or not, you know, tour fits into a personal, um, you know, like m- mental health state or well being. like, you know, if a person is introverted, like touring is kind of a nightmare for them. They're like, I can't sure. escape anybody. <laughs> like I'm surrounded. Yeah. And so, just that idea of like, oh, it's a, you know, crazy fun party all night and you meet so many new people. And like, all of that is, uh, all of that is true. But then all of the other side is true as well, where it's like, it's a lot of hurrying up and wait and, you know, all of the things you don't see, the unglamorous side of touring, like that is a reality as well. They can both be true at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's kind of been something like I've really been trying to tell myself because, you know, we've, um, you know, in these past two tours I've done, I've kind of been going like, man, like, you know, is it wrong that I'm going, man, I, I really would like some time to myself or like, you know, just a time, some time at my house or something. And it's, you know, I take solace in like being able to tell myself that both, both things are true. You can be like super stoked on the opportunity and super thankful for it and also be going, yeah, this is, this is a lot. There's, and there's some really hard elements of that. So it's useful to, to be able to tell yourself both sides of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the, you know, the dreaded question that, uh, I'm sure will get posed to you, um, bare minimum, like 400,000 times is the, uh, you know, Ooh. playing in two bands and like being able to balance like the lifestyles from sure. that perspective. Sure. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, because you guys are both both bands are existing on this um, platform where you know side of the same record label, and uh, you know there's a lot of the the business implications behind both the bands. You know, same manager, all that sort of stuff. Like, there's a balance that can be struck with that. Um, but I, I'm sure you guys have maybe maybe had discussions about like how that would look like if people aren't able to do certain tours because these certain things are, you know, happening and the overlap is there. Um, have you guys been able to have discussions about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's, that's always been something that we've had to be very honest about. I mean, in total transparency, I haven't been able to do much of the touring that I would like to with one step closer for a long time. It was because of school. And then, um, more recently, it's just, you know, um, you know, both bands at this point, you know, kind of have like the next five, six months planned out. And it's like, you look at it and you go, Hmm, uh, we're touring like completely on top of each other. This doesn't make any sense. Um, and I mean, it's, it's not, um, something like I've really like, I mean, it's very, it's very, very recent, but, uh, as of, you know, last month I'm actually, um, not in one step closer anymore and there's no, um, no bad blood or like ill feelings there. It's just, 
yeah, this literally just, there's, this it can't just be in two places at once. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so it, it, it has been a conversation. It'll probably be less of a conversation now as I'm <laughs> no longer playing with the band. No, that's, that's true. I, I mean, yeah, at a certain point like that would need to give just because yeah, there are, especially when both bands are pursuing it as hard as you guys are both doing, like there's no sure. reason to, kill yourself personally over that. So I would, yeah. at this point I would suggest you quit one of the bands. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's okay. I already solved it. Right. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. God, 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 God was covered in that. Yeah, in that yeah, exactly. You're like, I will, I will willfully bow out. Um, it, it kind of, we, we were mentioning, uh, off mic, the, uh, I'm really interested in the, you know, the dying tradition newsletter. And like you said, this, you know, clearly a labor of love and being able to, document uh these things that you're passionate about specifically within connecticut hardcore of like here's the bands of the past but then also here's this cool stuff that's happening now um was was that just like kind of spawned off of an idea that you were like well i want to do this in this you know really sort of old-fashioned medium of you know a newsletter uh how did that all kind of i guess get kickstarted in your brain um yeah so um so dying tradition um it, it start it started um Two, two issues of like a formal zine were made before it started as a newsletter. Um, one was a zine for FYA. Um, and then the other was um, for the One Step Closer record release. But it started in its newsletter capacity um, for the anxious record release for our first seven inch. Um, and it's, you know, I, it was, you know, Connecticut, to me, it's it's a really cool place, but I when I first started it, it just kind of felt a little bit disjointed. It's like it's this super small scene, but it felt like there was like kind of this weird disconnect between certain scenes and bands and people and things like that. So I kind of wanted to start it as like this like holistic view of like the state and just like here's all these awesome things that are going on currently and here are the all the shows going on in case you didn't know that you should come to. Um, but then, you know, um, kind of right before the pandemic, I started it as a, as a monthly thing that I would mail out. And it was, um, just, a I, a yearning to like document, like, um, these Connecticut bands from both today, but also, you know, mainly from, you know, the eighties and nineties and in early two thousands that I thought were, you know, maybe otherwise like not having a light shine on them. Um, and I don't know, I think, uh, I just really enjoy print media. I've always been a huge zine guy. Um, like I really love zine. So I was just like, well, I don't want to do like a blog post or like an Instagram or something like that. I was like, I want to make a zine about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I started just kind of mailing it out and it kind of like, snowballed into this thing that was like a lot bigger than I thought it would be. Like when it started out, I was sending it to about 25 people and almost all of them lived in Connecticut. Sure. But by the time I emailed, uh, I, the, not email, by the time I mailed my last issue out, it was going like out to over 300 people, um, kind of all across the world, which was fucking insane. Yeah. You're like, uh, really? You want to read about tenfold? Okay, cool. It's, dude, I, I, Crazy, you know, crazy that uh, all these people want to read about a band that maybe three people <laughs> really care about. Um, so, no, um, so yeah, um, I mean, 
I mean, what it was, it was totally a labor of love. Um, cause I mean, I did the, the poor copy, uh, cut and paste, uh, layout myself, uh, and I would mail it all out myself for free, um, which got super expensive towards yeah, especially towards international the- shipping, right? <laughs> Dude, I know it's it's three it's three stamps to send one thing internationally, so sure. Um, so it's yeah, um, yeah. So it, it so it actually it's it the last issue I sent out was in March, but as of this week, I'm almost finished with uh, with issue fourteen, so it will be making its return hopefully around this Friday. Well, that, that, that's awesome. I just really, I mean, the reason I wanted to highlight that in particular was just because I think, I mean, the same way that, you know, uh, vinyl records ebb and fade, I mean, clearly they are very popular now, but you know, for whatever, 10 years ago, you couldn't give them away. And just that, that physical manifestation, I think, especially within the context of punk, hardcore, DIY music, people are always going to want that, that tangible thing that they can hold and, you know, pour an insane amount of attention over, like you said, to bands that are just like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, we're going to talk about some of all fears for like, you know, 15 pages and you're just like, Oh, okay. I guess this is what we're doing right now. So it's cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think the tangible experience is important and it makes it kind of like this voluntary, like involved experience as well. Like it's not just passively reading something, um, you know, on, uh, on, on Instagram or something. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels a little bit self-serving, but I mean, it was, man, this is a, a hand written hand addressed envelope that's stamped on the back. And there's a letter inside that says, thank you for grabbing this. See you at the next one. And then, you know, this one page sort of thing. I, I don't know. I just, to me, it, it felt personal and, and, and cool in a way that I think it just those stories and those bands and stuff, it just, it, it, it makes it stick in a way that I think it wouldn't otherwise if it just existed online or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I mean, all that stuff is, is cool to consume. I mean, we, you know, between you and I, we probably follow like an absurd amount of, you know, uh, <laughs> re- retrospective Instagram accounts of, you know, show flyers <laughs> yeah. and stuff, but it, it does feel different when, you know, it is in some physical manifestation. And honestly, that's why I think it's so cool. You're doing these really uh, elaborate and interesting packaging processes for anxious where it's like, you know, I, I can't tell you how uh, much I, I really cannot stand collecting seven inches anymore in my life. But then <laughs> the fact that you guys did a, you know, a, a really cool, like children's book <laughs> attached to the seven inch, I was like, well, all right, they got me. Looks like I got to buy this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, the, that was literally like, what it was just, I don't know, like we've done seven inches before and like, so many seven inches come out. How do you make, you know, this single experience that like stands out and not just like, cool, another seven inch that like, you know, maybe the diehard collectors will, will feel the need to grab, but you know, everyone else, maybe not so much. So, I mean, it was that it was just, how do you, how do you make this like a cool personal yeah. interesting experience? Hey, it worked for, it worked for me, Grady. You got me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the the last thing I want to hit yes exactly the last thing I want to hit on was the fact that I know uh, just based off of uh, previous internet research that you are indeed a uh, record collector head and uh, mm-hmm. like you said you 
I mean, or you mentioned when you were purchasing these records, I, I presume you were talking about that you're actually purchasing vinyl of those records, the, you know, minor threat in seven seconds and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. That's. And, uh, so I, I get, I mean, for one, I guess what drew you to that medium initially, was it just the fact that like, Oh, these like look cool and the art is bigger. Um, and then, uh, you know, why do you still collect records? Because it's the coolest goddamn thing in the world. <laughs> um, yes, I, I, I agree. <laughs> no, I mean it's. I don't know. It's. I mean it's 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 for, it's for all those reasons. It's cool to po- to to pour over the art and the layout and the lyrics and the in th- like the thank yous and the pictures and you know the cool bonus items and stuff that that come with it. I mean, um, you know, it's. I think it's. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like negative, like streaming is like a bad way to consume music or anything, but it's, you know, it's, it's not bad. It's great. It's never been easier to consume music, but it's definitely not personal. And I think that, you know, physical music and, and getting to pour over all those things is like, it's a really cool way to feel connected to a band that, you know, might be from the other side of the world or you might never ever meet or talk to or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. It's a really cool way to feel like connected to a band. So I think that's, that's kind of what drew me in. Um, and then, I don't know, collecting is really fun. Um, I, I've always kind of had that urge. And so it's fun to collect records and bands and variants and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's obviously a blessing and a curse because the moment that you need to take them anywhere besides the room that you've placed them in, it's the worst thing. It's the worst thing in the world. Right. <laughs> and it, I, I think you, and the reason I take pot shots at seven inches is just because like they are, um, I mean, they're a pain in the butt to listen to because you obviously have to flip them every, you know, seven minutes. Um, yeah. and, and it's just like, I think we've evolved past the point of seven inches where how about we just do a one set of 12 inch guys? Can we just do that? Well, I, I think, I think so many people feel the same way. And I think so many, so many labels and stuff are phasing out the seven inch in the way of just a one side of 12 inch. Right. Yeah. And like, cause I, Which, and I don't, and to be clear too, I also don't like, I'm not a tape stand. Like I, I have tapes, but I just, I don't collect them. I don't need them in my life. So that's, it's usually one or the other people gravitate towards one side of 12 inch or a tape. Dude, I love tapes. Like I, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge tape head. I mean, that's, <laughs> do you, do you go down the, like the, are, are you collecting, you know, colored case variants and stuff like that? I, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm okay. <laughs> but no, I like I um, I mean, like I think of a band, like if a new band comes out, like I want you to make a demo tape and stuff like that. I mean, it's demo tapes think, are cool. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. No, like there's, I don't know. I think there's like no cooler introductory point to like a new band than like getting a tape in the mail and like pulling it out and you know seeing what they did for like the layout and stuff like that. And for the art and then like popping it in and maybe it sounds like shit, but it's a, it's a really cool way to like be introduced to a band. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tape fan and I'll, uh, I'll argue for the sake of tapes. That No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. You're, you're, you're carrying on your parents' tradition and, you know, being a litigator in the pro tape category. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or may, maybe we just like throw it, you know, it, not, I was going to say even further back, but maybe we can just talk about like burn CDs, you know? <laughs> oh my God, dude. No, that, that is the one I feel like maybe a year and a half, 
maybe even more recently, like people were trying to bring that back. Like, yeah, we're doing a CD for this release or something. I'm just like, I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to buy this. A CD? Why? Why would I buy this? So I, CD is the one format that I'm like, I'm totally good. Yeah, right. You're like, I'm, I'm tapped out. I, yep, we're we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Grady, thank you for hanging out. I really appreciate you uh, letting me ping pong around your brain and uh, be able to uh, talk about all this stuff. So thanks for hanging, man. Dude, absolutely. Thank you so much. This was a, this was a really, really fun interview to do. Oh boy, wasn't that a treat? Isn't Grady just a, a sweet human being? I um, Yeah, I felt like I formed a friendship and I hope that you... We'll go up to him after, you know, they play a show and he's selling merch and you're like, Grady, I heard you a hundred words podcast and you seem like a nice guy. Let's be friends. I know that he would love that because that's essentially what I did because <laughs> I saw Anxious play, uh, I don't know, it was probably about a month, month and a half before we had this conversation and I was like, Grady, we're going to have an interview <laughs> in like a month. He's like, oh man, that's so exciting. And it was, it was very cool. So thank you very much, Grady. Thank you very much to James Goodson, his publicist for the band. And uh, yeah, I always like to give shout outs to publicists because they're doing the Lord's work out there. Anyways, next week I have another fun discussion with Jeff Codhill from Game Face. If you are not familiar with Game Face, please do your homework before this episode. But uh, Game Face looms large in my own personal musical upbringing, uh, being in the you know mid to late 90s punk and hardcore scene. Game Face played a lot of shows, and they did a lot of things, and they put out a lot of music. And Jeff is still very prolific in putting out a lot of cool solo music on his own. And then uh, Game Face is doing some stuff coming up shortly. So um, I had to have Jeff on, and that's what we did. So that's what we got next week. Until then, please be safe, everybody.